This is The New Digital Customer, a podcast that brings you insightful and inspiring conversations with customer-focused leaders who are transforming and innovating customer experience. And now your hosts, the CEO of Brightloom, Adam Brotman, and Chief Product Officer, Ben Straley. Hey, everybody, this is Ben. Hey, everybody, this is Adam, and I'm really excited uh, for our guest today on the show. His name is Dan Baronic. He's the vice president of product for Sweet Green. But in full disclosure, uh, Ben and I have worked with Dan in the past uh, really closely at Starbucks. Dan was integral uh, on a lot of the things that we worked on, not the least of which was mobile order and pay. And um, and there's and the fact that he's the vice president of uh, product at Sweet Green uh, is is not a surprise to me because he's just a total rock star. So. Uh, excited to have you on the show, Dan. Uh, welcome. Hey, Dan. Thanks, Adam. Hey, Ben. Hey. So, Dan, do you want to maybe tell um, tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Maybe more than just that you happen to know Ben and I, and that you you know what you're doing today. Maybe give 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 everybody a little bit of background on yourself and what you're doing. Yeah, for sure. So, like you said, I'm vice president of what we call digital experience, which is experience design and product management at Sweetgreen. Uh, Sweetgreen, for those who may not have one near them yet, it's a 100 plus fast casual restaurant chain. Um, our mission is to build healthier communities by connecting people to real food. And um, we source our food for directly from growers and make it from scratch every day. And um, we're growing like crazy. So um, my job is, uh, like I said, product management, overall things, customer experience uh, within the store ecosystem, as well as for our operations and people teams, um, all the digital tools and and data that we give them to do their jobs and to make it easier to be a customer. Um, and then before Sweetgreen, I guess it's almost four years ago, it's hard to believe, uh, but worked had the pleasure of working with you guys, uh, mobile order and pay, like you said, kind of the GM of that, of that business. Um, and before that, global strategy at Starbucks and digital marketing. And uh, before that, Target, target.com. I spent a lot of time in experience design there and user experience design for both target.com and the multi-channel experience of shopping at Target as well. So um, happy to be here with you guys and excited to talk about digital customers. Hey, Dan, that's great. And, um, you know, maybe a good place to start is um, just acknowledging the fact that Sweetgreen is, has been perceived for uh, a number of years now as a trailblazer of sort of digital innovation. And i um, curious to get get a feel or get a sense from you about what, what are the things that are kind of top of mind uh, these mm. days for you and, and uh, a sweet green as it relates to, to digital experience with your customers? Yeah. Awesome. You know, maybe just taking one step back, I was thinking about the topic of your podcast and having listened to the other episodes and what, what kind of struck me and it's true of sweet green. It was true at target. It was true at Starbucks is, it's still early innings in the use of data to create great customer experiences. And I remember uh, hearing a, a senior vice president back at Target have this epiphany when he realized that you could cross merge, take the data from a, a, a e-commerce experience and go, what do people buy together? And translate that into like in-store merchandising, cross-selling type of thing. And he had, the, he, he had this exclamation that I'll never forget. He said, how do we get more of this data and what else can we do with it? And I, I love that. It was like a very senior person, like with the beginner's mindset going, oh my God, this is like a raw material that we have never had before. And it was so powerful. Um, and I think we went through a similar process at Starbucks where 
you know, I remember seeing a book about big data on somebody's desk. I was trying to figure out what it meant to have all this data that we had through the loyalty program and the card program and payment data. And, you know, again, beginner's mindset, we didn't know what we were doing when we started, but we had great partners and we just got started. We crawl, block, run, built some simple segmentation, let the data talk back to us and, and just got going. And Sweetgreen, really the same thing. Uh, you know, our founders, uh, we're, they're just disruptors at, at heart, you know, to, to, at their core. Uh, I think they, they sometimes say they didn't even know better. They just knew that digital was going to be the way that customers wanted to order and, you know, created the Sweetgreen ordering and store and operations experience around that. And that's resulted in a whole bunch of data. Right? We've got, even before COVID, well over half of our orders uh, coming through our own web and mobile experience, which creates really high data quality for us. And allows us to use it not only to create better customer experiences, make their orders more accurately and all of that, but also to take that really high quality data and fuse it back into our operations and make it easier to be a team member too. So uh, you know, what's going on at Sweetgreen is kind of that same thing that that target exec said, like how do we get more data and what do we do with it and getting better and better at that all the time. That I love that. I mean, that that's, so let's 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 dig in and have you talk a little bit more about that. I mean, you you just said, you, even before the pandemic, uh, Sweetgreen was a highly digitized, uh, transaction based, customer based. Like you were at fifty percent plus of your orders via digital channels, or you know, through the mobile app, through the website. Uh, even before the pandemic, um, a ton of data comes off of that. Uh, you know what? You know, and now you guys have blossomed into having like even more channels than I've ever seen before. It's really quite innovative and, and quite interesting to see. So you've got all these channels, you have all these digitized customers, like what are you guys doing with that data? Like, in other words, can you kind of, it's the topic that we've been talking about. Like where, where are you finding data useful in general? Yeah. So, you know, from a, again, from a sweetering perspective that of course the biggest shift in the past year now has been the, full-on shift to digital. We were very, very digital, more digital than most before, and now it's, it's been all digital. Um, thank God that things are you know, starting to come back to normal and the frontline business is, is bouncing back too. And, um, you know, I guess I should say one other thing. It's very uh, inspiring and humbling to work in the food business right now and uh, all of our team members out on the front line serving food and um, live in our mission every day. They're the ones that, that create the, the sweet green experience. And uh, when it comes to, well, one of the things that's happened, obviously, it's not just more digital, it's all these channels, right? Like it used to be back when we started, you could come into the store and stand in line and order, or you could order ahead for pickup. Um, but now we've got, that, that's how I call that two channels. Now there are six, maybe more channels that our customers can order through. Um, and that makes it easier, more convenient to be a customer, but we also have to balance that equation with our team members and give them the tools they need to do a really good job to meet those customers' orders and uh, get everything right and get it done on time. So we think a lot about balancing the data availability equation, if you will, like make sure that it's easy to be a customer, like I said, and order in all these new channels, but also give team members the tools they need to to, to meet that expectation. Um, and so Dan, I, I, know you, uh, I know you have some, I, I've heard you talk about some specific examples of like on the team member side. Can you share an example or two of, of how that works with the, with your employees, with the team members? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the cool tools that we've built we call Sweetgreen Pacer, SG Pacer. Uh, Pacer is a, a very simple tool. It's kind of a heads-up display for team members that are on the production line making food. And it just tells them where they're at in terms of the orders that are coming in and the pace of the order production that they're, they're, they're uh, managing right now. So at a given store, at a given hour, at a given day of the week, uh, any team member on a digital production line knows what the, you know, how they're pacing against the orders that are, are, are coming in. So it's almost a game to them. Uh, they think it's fun and it's kind of a what's measured gets managed type of thing. And again, this, these are digital production lines. Uh, you know, because the, high, the percentage of digital ordering from our customers is so high and because our stores were designed with digital product, pure digital production lines, uh, we're able to have that almost feel like a cockpit to those those team members, and uh, you know they're in the zone and giving them a little bit of a heads up display to know how they're doing. That's a good good example of. And so that that's a great example. And so just to pause on that for a moment, um, when you say a pure digital production line, uh, can you explain sort of what that means? Why that's important in the context of of an individual restaurant? Yeah, for sure. So kind of like we talked about before, there used to, the restaurants started with, Sweetgreen restaurants started with sort of two ways of ordering. You could stand in the front line and order with your voice, you yep. know, walk along the line and say, I want some more kale or less beets. Um, I prefer more beets and less kale. Uh, but uh, that's the front line. That's the physical, sort of more human and voice-based ordering experience. And then there's a back line, a line, a per, same production line, similar production line, that's in the back of the house or behind that front line that is dedicated to all forms of digital orders. So orders that customers place via our web and mobile app uh, or orders that come in from delivery marketplaces, um, all digital orders go through those digital production lines. And why did you, uh, I just think restaurant operations are really interesting and fascinating and, and at the heart of how these businesses really scale and, and maintain a quality of experience for customers why why separate the two um the the sort of physical uh customers standing in line from the orders that are coming in through digital two main reasons one you know we want to give customers choice especially if you're a new customer i'm coming into sweetgreen maybe for the first time or i haven't downloaded the app yet but we want to introduce you to the food and the food at sweetgreen like i said is you know sourced directly from growers scratch cooked every day prepared fresh uh honestly the food is beautiful and so to be able to see it and taste it and have a conversation about it with a team member who has a lot of pride in it is that that's the way in for sweet green and the reason the brand is what it is um, yep. as a customer moves into their you know a little bit deeper relationship with the brand uh, they often want to download the mobile app and not have to wait in line and now they know what they want they're more of a professional for themselves and knowing what they do and don't want to order so the digital lines uh, create a convenience i can order ahead and don't wait in line i can pick it up on a shelf uh, or i can have it delivered to me in a way that's just much more convenient um, so that's kind of the, the main reason that that there's two different production lines so you use so and just sorry to jump in but let's let's switch from I'll call it kind of operations and employee facing to customer facing now. So you, you, you're saying you've, you've got all this data that's coming off of all these orders because you've got this highly digitized customer base, this innovative multi-channel strategy as a fast, casual restaurant company. And you, 
you can use that data. You just gave examples of how you can use that data to optimize throughput and cut an employee experience so that they can, they can, um, know what's coming and know what to do next, et cetera. But what about on the customer side? Like let's, you know, Ben, Ben and my favorite topic these days is how do you use data to improve the customer experience and increase the revenue that you can get from your existing customers? Like, is that something that you guys are focused on as well at Sweetgreen? And this is, by the way, Dan, this isn't me pitching you on Brightloom. Not yeah. today. I'll do that tomorrow, but not today. <laughs> well, like I said, everybody needs a partner to get started on the data literacy and, and utility path. So yeah, Brightloom would be a great partner for anyone in that regard. Um, yeah, like the thing that I think about all the time, like I said before, is this balancing of the data availability equation, right? giving our team members really great data. Um, but also making sure that the data we do have about customer orders is is highly useful for a lot of different reasons. And the more a customer orders digitally, the better our data gets and the better our operations run. Um, maybe one more example on the team member side, and then I'll shift over to the customer side. Um, yeah. We, we have a thing called uh, what we call Sweet Green Forecast, SG Forecast. And forecasting for food is important in any restaurant business, but it's much more important and impactful for Sweetgreen. Like I said, direct sourcing from uh, our, our growers and uh, our food costs are very high. So getting it just right and forecasting exactly how much chicken I should cook or how you know the volume of beets that need to be prepared at a given store, at a given day, at a given month of the year and sees it from a seasonality perspective, given weather patterns, um, our forecasting algorithms take into account all of that. And I'm going back to that before I go back to your customer example, because it's critically important. That forecasting algorithm, it, on top of it, we built food prep applications, literally an iPad application that tells the team members what to prepare and, and exactly when and for how long it should be out and, and gets them right in the zone. So we're always in stock on whatever a customer is going to want and we're not making too much of it, not wasting a bunch of it. So good for the environment um, in the world. But it's a, that balanced equation of getting all that great customer order data through the digital ordering experience uh, creates our inability for us to get really tight on exactly what kind of food we pre should prepare and when. Um, and back to the customer ordering experience, you know, when a customer orders digitally, uh, it's very different from when you order with your voice on the front line. Uh, if I order with my voice, I'm, I'm saying I want a little more of this, a little more of that, not any of that. I get to the point of sale and I check out and it's the, the data about that bowl and that transaction is never exactly what the customer ordered, right? It's not like it's a little more beets, it's a little less chicken, it's just you know something uh, that's a little more vague. But when you order digitally, it's perfect. As a customer, I expect it to be like I want half, you know, I want heavy dressing. I want no chicken. I want more tofu, whatever it might be. It's line item detail, perfect, perfect data, which makes that forecasting algorithm work even better. So like I said, always thinking about this customer flywheel that we create, but also how it creates business value and allows us to design really great experiences for both sides of the, of the customer and team member equation. That's awesome. And, and what, more about specifically on, what about on the marketing team? Sorry. Uh, you know, our marketing teams are always getting better and better and smarter and smarter at figuring out uh, and having uh, having algorithms help to 
help us understand what the next best action is going to be for any given customer. Um, back in the day when we started this, uh, it was really basic lifestyle campaigns, right? Customers join, they get a welcome email, they get something on their birthday. Um, but we've moved well beyond that now. Now everything is rule-based still, but it's more dynamic, right? Every email, every nudge that a customer gets, uh, maybe not every, some people, we, when we have a new bowl for a new season, everybody gets to know about that. But uh, it, in large part, we're, we're getting smarter and smarter at uh, driving specific offers and incentives and content targeted at specific customers based on their recent behavior. And even doing things like propensity modeling, where we take a, one customer's behavior and pattern and compare that to other customers' behavior patterns and start to uh, compare them and, and let that tell us exactly what the next best action for that customer would be. Um, these things like digital canvases to draw out these customer journeys, like digital, you know, you can think about them as journeys that you draw on a, on a digital platform that help you to design these rules and say, if a customer takes this action, then they're going to get this message. And so getting smarter and smarter to, at doing that, it's another way of meeting the customer where they are and helping to deepen engagement. Got it. Um, Dan, let's talk a little bit more about kind of customer insights. And um, so it sounds like you're doing a little bit of, uh, or maybe a lot of uh, sort of modeling and analytics and um, maybe some, uh, you know, machine learning and that sort of thing as well to, to, to deliver a more personalized experience at, at scale. Is that a fair um, way to describe it? Yeah, I know. You know, I think the the phrase machine learning is probably overused in a lot of cases. I think we've we've definitely experimented with you know learning algorithms and decisioning uh, to to some good results. Um, that's not always what we do. The the the, the journey mapping and the um, you know rule based incentives and the you know, nudges that, that doesn't require machine learning. You know, I think we, we are doing well with that and. We'll continue to experiment with even more intelligent forms of driving customer engagement and relevant content um, over time. Uh, I think one thing that Sweetgreen's really good at is, uh, you know, doing as much as we can with what we have, uh, and not trying not to overcomplicate it and keeping things simple. So I think you know, to the theme, and I think one of the things that Brightlim helps customers understand really well: um, what do I have? What data do I have? What do I understand about my customers' behavior? And how do I take the first few steps? I think that's important. We're always going kind of back to the drawing board and first principles and looking really hard at what works and learning from the data and the signal that we get back from customers and how they engage with what, with what we give them. Um, you know, it reminds me of the old phrase too, the uh, humans are bad at predicting their own behavior. Uh, and you know, what we, what we offer to a customer as a nudge or an email or an incentive, uh, you know, how they respond to that is what's really important, right? We, we want to give customers more of what they respond positively to, uh, which is a little different than saying, just give the customer what they want. Uh, and so that applies to marketing for sure, uh, but it also applies to how we design the experience of ordering at Sweetgreen. Um, all those different channels that I mentioned before, going from you know the line and, the, and order ahead for pickup to the line and order ahead for pickup plus curbside plus order from a tablet plus order from a kiosk order delivery through the sweet green app order delivery through the marketplaces there's so many of those channels now uh, <laughs> that we got to think through that from a 
what's best for the customer and what's how do we scale it into the operating model as well. You know, you just said something really interesting, Dan, because I, I agree. I like, and you've always been a proponent of this, which is that what you just said about customers, you can measure what they respond to. It's harder to try to figure out what they think they want or they say they want versus what they do, right? My dad always has this famous expression with me. He says, Adam, you know, pay attention to what people do, not what they say. And, it, you know, it's like a very good parent thing to say, but it's actually kind of a thing that you're saying, which is like, you know, you kind of, what you can do is watch what people respond to and you can watch what they do and you can start to, and I, I like how you just put it. You're like, you actually just said, see what they respond to and give them more of that. Now it's, it's interesting how that is such a, um, it's kind of counterintuitive or creepy, right? Because it's creepy in the sense of like, you think about all the controversial privacy and data and other um, hot button issues in digital advertising these days. And that's exactly what those digital, those paid media channels are really good at is they know how to give people more of what they respond to. And that is what that algorithm I think is tuned to. And I'm talking about paid advertising and I'm not going to name names, but you know what I'm talking about. And, but they don't do it because it's, you know, they don't do it randomly. They do it because it works. Right. And so if you want to be an effective marketer, what I heard you just say is you kind of have to pay attention to the data and pay attention to the data of what customers do, what they respond to and give them more of that. And it's a little bit counterintuitive, right? Because when I talk to marketers and Ben and I talk to marketers in our day job now, which is fun. I love that we get to talk to marketers all the time. You know, you'll tell them that. And there's a little bit of a moment where they're like, well, wait a minute. Uh, it's counterintuitive. Like, give them more of what they responded to? Shouldn't I be trying to like, I don't know, uh, you know, optimize in some other way or something else? And the answer is, we can typically say, yeah, but slow down there, cowboy. Like, just, why don't you like, just do what works for a minute? Because like, this is, this is what is proven. And so I'm really glad you brought that up because it's not, not a lot of, not a lot of, people find that to be intuitive, uh, as surprising as it might sound. And I actually really think it's a powerful statement you're making, Dan. So I just wanted to kind of pause on that. I don't know if you want to expound on that a little bit, but that that's just, it's not, it's not intuitive. Yeah, it makes, makes, you're right. And, uh, I, I also think that another version of that phrase of, you know, give customers more of what they respond positively to another version of that is give customers more of what people like them have responded positively to, right? <laughs> it's right. a little meta, but it's true. Like we want take myself a, as a customer of you know Starbucks or Sweetgreen or anybody else. Uh, my behavior changes, my taste profile changes, my habits and occasions and times of day change, and sometimes they change within a week, and sometimes they change across longer periods of time. So that's why data is so valuable, right? Is because we can pattern customers' behavior and then tailor the experience to to that behavior using data from others. I'm trying to keep that description simple, um, but I think that really right. is at the at the heart of of what we're trying to do. It's not easy to do, but it is possible to get started doing it and use platforms like Brightloom to help make it make it right. actionable and, and real. Um, so yeah, you know, I think that's that's the way to do it. The other thing you reminded me of is. 
it's not always just hardcore data analysis, data science, and pattern matching and propensity modeling. That's one thing we do. Other times, you have to let the data speak to you when you just actually do give the customer what they want, right? Back to the, the example of all those different order channels that Sweetgreen operates now and so many than before. Um, you know, that's the customer wants access and frictionless access to, to our food and we give it to them in whatever way they want, but that's not obvious either. Um, you know, we've got to look at each of those channels almost as its own little business, almost as its own unique P&L. It's not the same profile when you order uh, to pick up as, as it is when you order, you know, uh, for, for delivery. So yeah, that's a lot a- of different forms of that. It doesn't always have to be, like I said, yeah, sorry to interrupt you, Dan, because that's that's a good segue. Because what you just said is really interesting. Like you, you just said, "Well, wait a minute." As a restaurant operator, and in Sweetgreen, you guys have you know kind of perfected this in a lot of ways, which is that you've you've thought about multiple channels. You've thought about going meeting the customer where they are, making it convenient for them, given literally physically wherever they are, but also whatever channel they want to order on, and. Um, but they all, to your point, they all have different, uh, they, they all generate different types of data or, or in some cases they don't generate any data for you, uh, but they, or they all have different economics, right? So for example, um, and I, you know, I'm going to go to a controversial topic and, you know, you can just sort of be, you can surf this any way you want, Dan, and, and be careful if you want, or you can just dive right in. But like, let's, I, let's talk about third-party ordering. I've, I've always been a, I've always been pretty vocal about the fact that I think third-party channels are um, very effective uh, and and very necessary for restaurants. Uh, however, I think there is a trade-off and one that restaurants have to be careful of in terms of, are you really thinking about the loss of the customer relationship, the loss of the, cu- the, the first-party customer data, and are you pretty clear on your incrementality from that channel? And you have to be eyes wide open, but I am... I'm not anti third party at all uh, delivery or marketplaces. Um, and I'm very pro third party private label uh, delivery, but I, but I, I feel like the economics, uh, the, the, the data dynamics are just so different in that channel and you gotta be careful and, and they're different than mobile and web ordering. They're different from in-store ordering. I mean, do you want to, I don't know if you're comfortable talking about it, but how, how do you guys think about that at sweet green just in a, in a high level? Yeah. I mean, to put it bluntly, that the unit economics for de- of delivery for on marketplaces for restaurants in general is challenging to say the least, and probably unsustainable in the long term. Um, but I think, at least for Sweetgreen, what is most important and most interesting is that we have a direct relationship with our customer that adds a lot of value, right, to that customer in their in their life. Honestly, and that there's no hyperbole. Like we eating at Sweetgreen. And having sweet cream the way that you want it is is a is a, a behavior and a habit that improves your life, right? And that's a great advantage that we have. And um, so, when we think about ordering channels, most, first and most important is uh, you know we want to create as much value as we can for customers to have the sweet cream mobile app or order via the web, uh, and that's where we start. You know, but w- w- when we look at it and we say, here's a customer who used to order for pickup and now they've started ordering for delivery through our app as well. Almost always, usually that means that they've sort of added an occasion. They've added a little, you know, another order 
or two uh, that compared to what they used to do. So we've deepened our relationship with that customer and they can reorder quickly and easily. They can, you know, come back and customize things the way that they want in order for dinner and not just lunch. So the more we deepen the relationship with the customer by adding additional channels, ordering channels, um, the better it is for, for, for them and for us. And so, and so Dan, how do you kind of coming back to the, the conversation around, um, you know, understanding customers, listening to customers, I'm curious, can you talk just a little bit more about, um, how you assess or how you know what customers are responding positively to that may seem like a sort of obvious question, but there are a bunch of different ways of kind of measuring, uh, if you will, response from customers. There are surveys, there's, you know, transaction data, there's a bunch of stuff. So how do you, how do you sort of organize and create a, a useful view of, of customer response? There are a lot of ways that we do that. And maybe I'll give an example of how we use different kinds of data in different ways. Um, think about NPS, net promoter score, as a really important measure for most businesses these days to try to understand um, what their customers care about, right? And, and what things drive a, a customer's willingness to recommend you to someone else. Um, can you just for, for the listener, can you explain just really briefly how, how you do NPS? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a survey data uh, that goes out to our customers and they respond and they'll say these are the, the, these are the things that improve my likelihood to recommend Sweetgreen to someone else and these are the things that detract from my likelihood to recommend to someone else. That's the simplest version of NPS. Um, very qualitative, survey-based measure of what our customers care about and, and, and what's you know getting in their way and what they are, would like to be different. Uh, and that's super important, you know, qualitative data about where it shows us where to look. Right? Uh-huh. For voice and is that, it, 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 sorry to interrupt, is that part of the journey mapping that you do? Like it, it, there are certain moments where you are, are delivering a survey or is it more sort of random or scheduled? How do you do it? Yeah, it's separate from that. It's not a part of a, a, a programmatic or rule-based Got campaign it. management th- type of thing. It's totally separate. It's really truly you know, get a big enough sample size of, of voice of the customer data that we can, that it can show us where to go look for both things we're doing well and things that we need to improve. And back to the, not all data is the same or or actionable in the same way. That's sort of the top of the funnel, if you will, of the qualitative data tells us where to look, shows us where we need to focus. And then we double click into that, right? Into a given thing. It might be, you know, my order wasn't made on time, or it might be there was an ingredient missing. Uh, those types of, of insights that we get from survey data help us go look a little bit more deeply in the actual data to understand what customer behaviors uh, look like, as well as to look at our operations and figure out if there's a different way of uh, you know, helping the team member do a, do, uh, do the job they want to be able to do to meet the customer expectation. I mean, the forecasting tool, <clears throat> the food preparation tool I mentioned before, those came from the the insight that our customers wanted us to be more accurate and not you know, not miss ingredients in their bowl. Uh, and so you, you work backward into the system from that qualitative NPS insight into uh, the customer experience. How can we make it easier to customize my order so I know exactly what I'm, I'm asking for and I can see it and confirm it before I send it. And then on the team member side, making sure you know, I, I have the tools I need, to have the food I need and the tools I need to make the order just, just right. That's awesome. Um, 
so Dan, let's 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 segue for a second here. Uh, so you've you're you've been at you've been at the intersection at Starbucks. I mean, before that at Target, now at Sweetgreen of you know some pretty innovative multi-channel retailer, fast casual restaurant. Um, the intersection of data, ordering channels, um, and digital. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna turn the tables on you a little bit and say, as a customer, this is the question we ask everybody. Like, like, what are you seeing out there in the world today that impresses you? Like, and it doesn't have to be food. It doesn't have to be data. Just in general, just kind of a digital experience you've had recently, an app, a, a pickup order, or whatever. Like, that's digital. We like to ask our guests, like, what what's what are you learning from or what's turning you on right now? That's such a fun question. Um, <laughs> I guess maybe two answers to that, if it's okay. I, uh, you know, I love technology and I love what's possible. You, you alluded earlier, I think, Adam, to like the ad technology out in the world and how that's used to do similar type of propensity modeling and, you know, this customer should should get this ad based on what we know about them, the kind of creepy use of, of data. Yeah. Maybe not so great at making people's lives better, but I think that same technology and that same approach, I think is starting to become used in ways that actually does make people's lives better. Um, you know, and a couple of examples of that, uh, one is, you know, connected fitness, right? Like your Apple watch and you connect it to Strava and you do virtual races in Zwift and, you start to, uh, I connect it to my rowing machine and I'm like, I start to have actual data about myself. And I put that in, out into other platforms, data about myself out into other platforms. And I start to get feedback and I start to see where I am in my fitness journey and compare myself to other people. Like that's the uh, use of data. And, you know, I might, might be a propensity model somewhere that's patterning me against someone else, but it's in a way that makes me better and healthier. And I, I love that. I think that's a really good. God, that's so, of, of that that's such an interesting example, Dan, uh, because it's funny. I, when I get asked this question, I, I think of Peloton um, and, and it's similar to what you're saying. And, and, and it's funny because um, we're lately, I've been using uh, a different exercise machine, not a Peloton machine, although uh, I love Peloton machines and using just like a regular, like elliptical, non Peloton elliptical, but using the Peloton app and using my Apple watch. And it's just such an interesting, like the Apple watch connected to my Peloton app, at least it's reading my body's data and it's showing up on the app as if I was on a Peloton machine, even though I'm not on the Peloton machine, but I'm, but it's just really cool. I didn't know Strava. So anyone who's a Strava user is going to roll their eyes at me right now. I didn't realize you can do an asynchronous race against somebody else. Basically. Is that what you're saying? Like you can, you can essentially race somebody else that's not racing at the same time, or does it have to, they have to be racing at the exact same moment as you. I'm no Strava expert either. So I'm not exactly sure. I just know that you can pattern yourself against others and kind of like yeah. you know, have challenges that are relevant to, to what you can. Yeah. That's so really interesting. Powerful. Cause you can, you can um, do the same thing on Peloton. Like you can be on a, rec you can be on an on demand, but you can see other live people that are doing the on demand and how they're performing at that moment. So it's just like, so amazing what you can do in that space. So, so you, you like that stuff. What's what, uh, what app, what are your favorite apps right now that you're using all the time besides Sweetgreen Starbucks? Uh, one of them that I love is, uh, 
that you know Shopify. We all know Shopify storefronts for everybody. Uh, love that company, um, but they created a shop app. I don't know if you know about this one, but oh. it it's an aggregator basically of like all of my order data from everywhere. I go to the shop app and it, it's connected to Gmail, so it's getting my order confirmation and and, and shipping data and receipts through email and putting them all in one place. I go to the shop app, I can see where all of my order is. In COVID, been ordering way too much uh, at, to be shipped to us. And, and that's just a really cool way of aggregating everything in one place. Also, strategically kind of brilliant, right? To have the one app to rule all of the order, orders that I manage. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, is it, is it all orders that, 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 that you've Is it all orders that you've done on Shopify at some point? Or is it just even beyond Shopify? Even beyond, right? If there's something in your email that you have to give access, give the shop app access to your email, oh, but if there's something in your email that has a tracking number, it pulls that all into one place. So it really becomes my dashboard for everything we've ordered. I don't have to, I don't have to go into the Amazon app and look down. Amazing. I give it permission to scrape my email to basically compile as if it already had access to all of my other shopping behavior and then it can use that yeah that's amazing that's very amazon-esque Again, uh, uh yeah I, I love i love shopify and i love the shop app and uh, you know it, it probably brings up another topic of of privacy and data access and really important from my perspective tr a trend around interoperability and, and allowing access across platforms like think about we, we just had two examples the Apple Watch and Strava and what you know, connected fitness platforms of all kinds. My rowing machine and my bike and whatever. Uh, I have to allow access. Like th those are API connections with my data in them across multiple platforms. And uh, I think that's something. You know, Shop app was another good example of that same thing. I, th I think we'll see a lot more of that as as we move forward in the future. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, I, I wonder, uh, I wonder how Google feels about that also <laughs> with, you know, a third party getting access to all of the, all of the email that's coming through. It's, it's really fascinating. Like these, these overlapping gigantic platforms that are all competing for customer data and adding value to customer data. And, um, you know, sometimes it feels right. Sometimes it feels creepy. And uh, we are, as I think, Adam, you or maybe it was you, Dan, at the beginning of this podcast uh, said, we're still in early innings on this. Um, and uh, Dan, this has been so great. You've, you've provided a ton of uh, depth and, and examples for uh, us and our listeners to chew on in terms of how to understand um, uh, what customers are most likely to respond positively to. Um, uh, how you're using data to improve or connect customer experience to to operations and the team member experience, which is which is fascinating. I mean, we could have a whole series of of episodes on just that topic alone. Um, so, uh, thank you again for sharing all your experience and wisdom uh, with us and our our audience. And uh, uh, all the best to you, man. Thank you both so much. Really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, this has been great. Uh, that's it. That's a wrap. Please stay tuned. Check back soon for another episode when we're talking to another customer-obsessed digital leader. And until then, stay safe and be well. Thanks so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information on what Adam and Ben are building with their teams, visit 
brightloom.com and follow them on Twitter at Adam Brotman and at B Straley.